Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. In issues of racism, there are going to be some who will say, why don't you stick to preaching gospel? The social, political, and economic concerns have increasingly encroached upon the minds of those who should know better. The real transformative work in a nation is the transformative work of the gospel. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you'd like to be like Aldous Huxley and George Orwell, you've come to the right place. Wow. That was obnoxious. This is Wretched Radio. George Orwell, Aldous Huxley from the 20th century, seemed to possess an uncanny ability to predict the future in that They would look at the signs of the times and extrapolate them. They'd simply extend them. This is where we are. This is the direction in which we are headed. What will be our destination? A culture is really defined by a collective individualism. Let me explain that because it seems to be contradictory. Think of every person as an arrow. Their arrow of life, their trajectory, the direct direction in which they are heading is either aimed at godliness or wickedness. And if you put enough of those arrows together, you can pretty much conclude, well, that's where the country is going. The country moves based on individuals determining this is the way I see things. And that is how I think we can get a sense of where we're going in this country. People use the term slippery slope. Bill O'Reilly has a problem with that. I don't because it just takes a little common sense. If we're here now, we're going to be there later. Case in point. And let's see if we can be like Orwell and Huxley. Where is this going? Where is this headed? Don't just hear the dreadful news du jour and say, oh, that's what's going on. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Sin never stays stationary. It just keeps on moving. Evil is perpetually starving. It wants more and more and more. Let us look at Tahu's stories and figure out, oh, where could where could this be headed? This is a young man whose video is going viral. He's sitting in a Starbucks coffee house closet. He's wearing his green apron. He's filming himself because he is not a happy camper. Please, despite all of the mockery that this young man is receiving online and he's getting shredded out there, let's let's not do likewise. Let's just use this as an opportunity to go, okay, all right, I'm starting to understand in which direction the employment arrow is aiming. Let's see if we can figure out where it's going. People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks. And I am literally about to quit. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to do it, but like, I really want to. I almost walked out today and I'm crying in the back room right now. And I almost cut on the floor. It's just, I like, I get, I'm I'm like a full-time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week. And on a weekend, they scheduled me the entire day open to close up on the schedule for eight and a half hours. That is his lament. He's a student. He signed up for 25. They're actually booking him for 25 hours, and he's very unhappy. In fact, he's beyond not happy. He's not coping. And this is an arrow that is not 
alone. There are many of the upcoming generation that see work as just something as a little task that has to be taken care of so that I can live my authentic life, so that I can travel, so that I can have life-work balance. This young man, now 25 hours a week for a full-time student, um, yeah, I pretty much did 25 hours a week <laughs> when I was a student too. Nevertheless, listen to his lament and ask, where are we going? Both Saturday and Sunday, I'm like three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule and somebody had to call out. And there are four people running the whole store and there's so many customers and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> He's not coping. And this is not uncommon. The young man's having a breakdown because he's scheduled too much and there are just too many customers for the number of employees. We only have 13 people employed at this store and there's so many customers. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend and he took himself off the schedule so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on. And Okay, on and on the young man goes. This is not uncommon. That's why we see a trend called quiet quitting. Sure, go to work because you do have to have the dineros, but to put in the effort, <laughs> please, no. Let your authentic self be expressed. And incidentally, speaking of authentic self, yes, we're about to take a detour. Was reading an article that really wasn't, it was very well written, but it really didn't have much to do with us. <laughs> but I did read a particular paragraph to remind us that our culture is indoctrinating people like nobody's business to really live out their own truth, to really be somebody who just doesn't care what society thinks. I got to be me. Here's the article. It was taken from... A website, oh, The Federalist. According to my elementary and middle school teachers, the elusive boogeyman known as society, they want us to think that in order to be happy, we need a successful job, nice clothes, an attractive body, lots of friends, and expensive material possessions. But a truly happy person doesn't need any of those superficial things. All they need is to be themselves, follow their hearts, be kind to others, and embrace their inner beauty. That was the indoctrination that took place for the author of an article that I couldn't think of anything else to do with. <laughs> it's about body positivity. It's just another example. You're encouraged. Don't listen to culture. You are your own arrow. In fact, you're pretty much the only arrow that exists. And they try to aim young people in the direction of self-fulfillment. Who likes back-breaking labor? Well, I mean, some of us don't actually mind it. But for the most part, working hard, it's more fun to have fun than it is to work. And so they're being encouraged and they're being told you need to live your own truth. And if anything in culture is controlling your destination of enjoyment and authentic selfness, well then it's terrible and horrible. Question, if this young man is an example 
of the authentic self society that we're living in currently. Where's this going? This isn't done. Where is this headed? Let's put on our Orwell and Huxley hats and perhaps muse where this is going. If you've got a generation that is growing up that isn't working, and it's in an affluent society still, there are mechanisms that will provide a means for them to have food on their table. And as long as their worldview says it's about me, me, uh, but it's also about me, then they will seek to do anything to simply laze around, enjoy themselves, perhaps amuse themselves with video games or whatever their form of entertainment is, and simply not work. This is this to me is is the only destination this can be going unless, of course, reality comes into play and people like this young man realize, huh, don't work, don't eat. Huh, I don't have any money. I can't do the fun stuff that I really want. And suddenly they're not going to be looking for work-life balance. They're going to be work, looking for life-work balance because they're going to realize the importance of work. If they don't arrive at that conclusion, then they are going to continue on the train to Lazyville, to not working. And we will live in a culture that is increasingly like a third world nation where we don't run trains on time, where we don't have packages delivered. Wait a second. That's actually starting to happen right now, isn't it? I know there are other factors that play into our GDP and our seemingly new Italian inability to get things done on time or to staff your business with enough people, we're already headed there. That's, that's why this young man is having to put in so many hours, because his fellow millennials or Gen Zs, Gen X, whatever it is, they just don't want to work. They're, they're, they're just going on the dole. They're perhaps riding on their parents' coattails, but they're not, if you will, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps to make their way in the world. Where is this going? Hello, Argentina. Hello, you pick your favorite third world country if there is such a thing. And that's the destination. What do we do about this? If there are millions of arrows pointed in the let's be lazy direction, how much are we talking to our kids about work? How much do we make our kids work? Do we ever push them to almost the limits? Is work being preached from the pulpit? Is work being discussed in youth group? You know what, Jimmy? I think that could be a road trip to truth subject. Uh, I could. It really could. Yeah. Huh. Maybe next year. Road Trip to Truth Season 3 is out, by the way. <laughs> I wish this kid from Starbucks could watch it. Teach your kids to work. Why? Next on Wretched. Two 
200. That's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. 2022 has brought incredible growth to Wretched and Gospel Partners Media. We've seen the launch of Transformed, our new biblical counseling show. We've also launched Breaking Bread, a new interview resource featuring Todd speaking with people like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Tim Challies, Justin Peters, Steve Lawson, and more in depth on a variety of topics facing the church today. And while we're ecstatic over these projects and others, nothing means more to us than you. Thanks so much for your ministry. Thank you. Praise God for you guys. Thank you for that. Wretched is encouraged just to share faith and, and get out there and actually do something. That's why we do what we do and we have no plans of slowing down in 2023. And we invite you to join us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Please remember Wretched as 2022 draws to a close and we begin a new year and new opportunity to share the amazing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 716 A.D. Boniface, the Apostle of Germany, sets out as a missionary to bring the gospel to pagan lands. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Christianity found shelter and thrived in Europe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Some people call me Nostradamus. I just prefer freakishly tall guy. This is Wretched Radio. How do we know what tomorrow is going to bring? Well, of course... We do not have prophetic gifts. We don't know exactly what's going to go down, but you can witness trends where we see individuals collectively aiming the arrows of their lives in a particular direction, and you can be assured it ain't going to stop here. It never stays 
static. It just keeps on moving. Case in point number one, work ethic. These these new up-and-coming laborers are not very anxious to do what it takes to make money and, and to have a little bit of dominion over the planet. That's why we work, because we've been commanded to work by the God who works so that we can create stuff the way that he creates stuff. And so you go to work because he works. You try to save a little bit so that you can improve the plot of land that God has given to you so that your kids can get something better and their kids can get something better. Well, we in this culture have arrived at a time where things really are easy. I don't think we appreciate how easy it is to live in the 21st century. You just expect that switch on the wall to throw the lights on. And if it doesn't, it's like... <laughs> Maybe you've done this exercise. Ponder life without electricity. You can't charge your cell phone. You can't, you can't see at night. You got to burn candles if you've got them. You do not have air conditioning. You do not have heat. You can't turn on the blender. You can't turn on the... You can't do nothing in this culture. Why? Because we have built a society of ease. And I'm not suggesting that's a bad thing. It's just the reality of where we're at. Now, it is only, in my opinion, in that sort of society that this non-work ethic can flourish is, is because we're just so used to this is supposed to be easy. This shouldn't be hard. I don't like being exhausted. I don't like having to push myself to do my job so I can pay my tuition not that we really do that so much anymore. They don't like it. Why? Because they didn't grow up to appreciate work. We need to be teaching our kids. We work because God works, and we work so that we can take dominion over the planet because that is our charge. Where are we headed with this current lackadaisical attitude? I don't think it's going to be a flourishing society that we live in. And then history will just play itself out. Demonstration number two, that the future is somewhat knowable if we don't stop. Let me take you back to 2014, specifically in Canada. The Supreme Court struck down the criminal prohibition. In other words, this isn't against the law anymore to have and perform assisted death. It was called Carter v. Canada, 2014. The Supreme Court said, it, if, if a doctor does that, we're not going to penalize them. We're not going to punish them. We're certainly not going to execute them. And speaking of execution, the New York Times, this is shocking. The New York Times actually had an article that resonated with me because I've been thinking about this as of late. It was the Parkland shooter back in 2018. And then this, this uh, what was the, uh, uh, the guy who just kept interrupting the judge, he was defending himself when he drove through a parade in Wisconsin, killing people, intentionally trying to mow them down. What is his sentence? It's disappointing. And an article in the New York Times actually says, it, look, if, if the death penalty doesn't apply to the Parkland shooter, where, where, 
When do we have the death penalty? Well, our world would say we shouldn't because it's not nice. They would say that's just too cruel. I would argue it's really cruel to put somebody in an eight-foot square cell. I guess it would be eight-square-foot cell for the rest of their lives. Liberals hate the death penalty and they accuse us of being inconsistent. Wait a second. You don't want assisted suicide, assisted death from physicians, but you want the death penalty? Yes. They don't contradict. They harmonize, just swell based on the status of the individual. For instance, abortion is the intentional taking of innocent human life. That means the Bible describes that activity not as killing, but as murder. When it comes to capital punishment, you are putting to death an individual whose status is guilty. That means it can be a justifiable killing if the right entity is bearing the sword. And in capital punishment, Romans 13, that must be the government. Don't forget capital punishment. It was really instituted back in Genesis chapter nine. It's not a mosaic law issue. It seems to be a general principle. You take the life of an image bearer and your life will be taken because you're guilty of a very high-handed crime. We are consistent. Liberals say, no, and I got to tell you, even a liberal right now has to be looking at these people who are doing such atrocious things and going, really, we're going to let them live? Why is the Parkland shooter or that guy up in Wisconsin still still breathing? What is it, Derek what? Daryl Brooks. Daryl Brooks. Yeah. That's the felt. What a circus that was. Isn't there something inside of us that says... You're done. You're just done. And by the way, it shouldn't take 17 people. One is all the Bible says is necessary for the death penalty to be death penalty to be instituted. But up in Canada, they decided that it's not going to be a crime for a doctor who apparently forgot his Hippocratic oath to help somebody die. You're assisting them toward death. You are hastening their final breath. What is that person's status? Are they a guilty criminal? Nope. Then a doctor cannot be participating in that. In 2014 in Canada, I suspect some of the few Christians said, oh, no, 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 this is going to be a problem. This is just going to get out of control. Well, look at what I hold in my never-before nicotine-stained fingers. In 2014, liberals would have said, no, that's not going to happen. This is just going to be a one-off kind of thing on occasion. Headline, Canadian doctors are now encouraged to bring up medically-assisted death before their patients do. Cool. Listen, Listen to the thinking. It just... It's inverted reality. It's, it's just, it's, it's so muddled. It's, it's sort of like the Democratic Party. In most jurisdictions in the world with legalized euthanasia, doctors are explicitly prohibited or strongly discouraged from raising assisted dying with a patient. But a guidance document produced by Canada's providers of medically assisted death states that doctors, get ready, have a professional obligation to bring up hastening your dying day as an option when it's medically relevant. Hmm. When is it medically relevant to intentionally take the life of a human being? Answer never. Why? Because of the status of the person. 
and because the person is likely eligible as a part of the informed consent process. Oh, I see. So as long as a doctor isn't pushing it, he can bring it up because he needs to put it on the plate as one of the medical options the dying person has. And I bet in 2014 they would have said, that'll never happen. Awareness is not the same as coercing them or pushing them in that direction, say proponents of doctors bringing up euthanasia. That would never be raised solely in and of itself, but within the context of discussing goals of care and values clarification. Oh, well, Jimmy, it's values clarification. I've got a big word on there, clarification. That's five syllables. They must be right about this. Put a fancy name on something hideous and suddenly it's justifiable. Not providing information in a timely manner to someone who might be eligible for early death, it can actually create harm. <laughs> eligible for early death. Yep. It can create harm if you don't tell them about the option. Huh. I'm sure these very same people are just thrilled if the next door neighbor says to their children, you know, you're, you're having a hard time coping. Heroin helps. I'm not pushing it on you. I'm just saying it's an option because... I'm a professional neighbor, and I have an obligation to bring up your options. I suspect they would, well, hopefully they'd recoil. Maybe they wouldn't. The point is, in 2014, this wouldn't have been imagined. Well, here we are, eight years later, nine years later, 15 years later, 30 years later, if the Lord tarries, this won't stay here. It'll become increasingly aggressive where doctors can prescribe it. You say, no, that would never happen. Yep, that's what they said in 2014. Those who hate God love death. Those who love God hate death. That is the difference between light and darkness. And that is the culture that we will soon be living in. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. As most of you know, we frequently discuss Uganda here on Wretched, as it seems Christian persecution is increasing daily in the country. But there is some news coming out of Uganda, though it's not Christian, it is news that Christians can see as good news. A member of the Ugandan parliament has opposed the pro-LGBT and abortion provisions that may have been included in an updated trade agreement between the European Union and many countries in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Pacific. In a statement earlier this week, the deputy speaker of parliament in Uganda said, quote, We are a society that is not ready for homosexuality, and we are a society that is not ready for abortion. Don't you just wish the same could be said for us here in America? A federal appeals court has ruled that the Miss USA pageant is not obligated to allow men to compete in its annual contest that is explicitly reserved for women. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit ruled 2-1 to one on Wednesday that Miss USA, doing business as the United States of America pageants, does not have to allow a man who goes by the name of Anita from Oregon to compete in its pageant. Why does this need to be a court case? The name of the pageant Miss USA should tell you all you need to know. We have got to do better. 
A judge recently sentenced two climate change activists who glued themselves to a well-known painting in the Netherlands to a lighter sentence than the public prosecutor requested because she did not want to discourage others from demonstrating by imposing a harsher punishment. Look, I understand that you don't want to discourage people from protesting and demonstrating, but there is a difference in protesting and breaking the law in the name of protesting. These protesters broke the law and should be accountable, regardless of future protesters. Did you catch the president's speech last night where he called on Americans to unite, while at the same time repeatedly demonizing tens of millions of Republicans as a threat to the country? I don't think he understands the definition of the word unite. So I'm not quite sure how many of you have been following Dwayne Wade's parenting in the last several years. So the story is Dwayne Wade has a son who has decided that he is a girl and Wade celebrates that fact and has allowed the boy to change his name and quote unquote change his gender. Well, Wade's ex-wife, the child's mother, has claimed that he is attempting to make money off the child's actions. And earlier this week, Wade responded to those claims by saying, quote, I've received a social media post about me forcing our 15-year-old old child to be someone she's not and to do something against her will. These are serious and harmful allegations that have hurt our children. No, sir, I don't think your child's biological mother making a statement has actually done as much to harm your child as you have. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible the book of Job answers the question, why do the righteous suffer? When Job loses everything, his friends blame him. But when Job questions the Lord, he responds. God is sovereign and he is good. His ways are beyond our understanding. When you suffer, know that God is in control. He has his own purposes that you may not understand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Are you called to being a youth minister. This is Wretched Radio. Before I could finish the title of the program, you were shouting, not a chance. Working with the kids. I volunteered in the nursery once. I'm not going to go in with those teenagers. P.U. They're so unruly. They don't pay any attention. I'm out of here. Maybe just maybe it's time to reconsider how you and I view the importance of spending time as adults with teenagers. The crisis of well-being among young adults and the decline of religiosity. This is from IF Studies. A lot of people, sociologists, taking a look at the data to determine why are the kids so lonely. And guess what they're connecting it to? They don't have any religion. They don't have any community. They don't have any purpose. Mm, wow. Can the church possibly lend a hand in those departments? Of course they can. What have we done instead of trying to dive into the lives of young people who are struggling? And we decided, well, we got to amuse them. They'll never come back. It's got to be fun. You know, that sullen teenager, I think she actually has fun at youth group. Oh, okay. We think it's a victory when it's nothing but an unhelpful waste of time. Our next generation, it is un mistakable. It's undeniable. It's irrefutable. Frio, we get the point already. Our kids are hurting. And these studies, I think, might just encourage all of us to go, how could I in some way, small or big, help a young person struggling? Or 
help our church's young people struggle, because that is the context in which you and I can actually help them. What have we done as a church? We follow the trends. Big Eva sniffs them out. And what have we concluded? We're living in a technological era. Therefore, we need to bring church up to speed. Ergo, Todd, that's the same as therefore. Ergo, okay, I'm sorry. I'm laughing at myself because the other day I actually said, ergo, I me. It should be ego, I me. If you're familiar with the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Oh, the difference one letter makes. We have concluded that we must be electronic. We must be in the cyber world so that people can gather with us wherever they are. And we call it cyber church when it is fully cyber, but it ain't church. What a misread. What a mess. These mega churches that are super cool and groovy. Look, we can have our church services online. I think that that can be a blessing in many different ways. But when the church goes about the business of putting itself out of business <laughs> by just having cyber church, so this the church is now catching up to culture. We used to have more storefronts. Well, now you've got web pages where you do commerce. And we are following, of course, a couple of decades behind, but nevertheless, we're following, you know, the old brick and mortar church thing. Little outdated. People don't do that anymore. They want cyber experiences. And so we're giving them an electronic simulation of a reality that cannot be fully recreated via pixels. What a complete biff. Instead, we should read statistics like that, talk to our neighbors, talk to our kids, and we should be concluding these people need church. They need people. They need relationships. Here are some of the details from the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University. Now, none of this should shock us because as Christians, we should know God has programmed us just like software, just like a robot. I personally have no problems being a robot because if God is the one who's guiding and processing, I'm down with that. Nevertheless, the Human Flourishing Program points out what we should know, that people need these things because God designed us that way. He knit us together for these experiences. Here's why you're here. You need to be in community, a specific community. Well, actually, communities, marriage, family. You need that. This is, this is why kids that don't live in two-parent homes don't thrive. And the statistics bear that out, by the way, because it's not the way that God designed the place to run. And for you to flourish, you need to have the community of family, a full family. Furthermore, you need to have community socially, but not out in society, but in the context of a local church. Otherwise, it's just life is not going to be good. This shouldn't shock us. The well-being of young adults has dramatically declined compared to older age groups. As reported in JAMA Psychiatry, well, that's what she is. She's a bad Mama Jamma, apparently. <laughs> she was into psychiatry. I didn't know that song was about that. Actually, I don't know what that song is about. Quote, our findings support evidence of a mental health crisis 
an increase in loneliness in the U.S. that has disproportionately affected young adults, and it extends to multiple additional facets of well-being, happiness, physical health, meaning, character, social relationships, and financial stability have all significantly declined for young adults. In other words, our commons have crumbled. The commons that are the elements that make up our culture, the way we've processed how this place works best in our context, in our time. Societies work that out. They never have meetings on it. It just happens. And the way that we've designed Western civilization had certain commons. Well, guess what? Because those commons come from cover the kids ears, please cover. Just cover your kid. I'm going to say a word. Just I'm telling you right now. Cover your kids' ears. White people. White people made the commons. Therefore, they're oppressive systems and they have to go. The decline across so many aspects of well-being suggests something fundamental is at work. There's a crisis in meaning and identity. And with it, a crisis in connection. Well, I would say that they all go together. Hmm. Can people be connected at church? Check. Can people know their identity in church? Check. Can people do things with meaning? Check. And yet, we don't we don't do church the way that we used to because the kids just don't dig that. I suspect they do. They just don't know it yet. Columbia University psychologist, whose extensive work as a clinical psychologist and brain researcher, led her to conclude that it is the absence of support for children's spiritual health. Well, well, well. The innate set of perceptual capacities through which we experience connection, unity, love, and a sense of guidance from a life force. This is secular, but we know what that life force is that has contributed to alarming rates of depression, substance abuse, addictive behaviors, and decreased well-being. Does Big Eva, silly centered youth group, bear all the blame for the depression in the upcoming generation? No. But if we are not offering what will help young people with depression, what will help people with loneliness, what will help people with meaning and identity and unity and a sense of belonging, we just aren't doing them any favors. Question How might you? be able to help a young person, you can almost be certain they're struggling. You can find a teenager in church this Sunday. Hey, how you doing? They're going to go, uh, yeah, good. And you could just take them at their word, or you can grab a bucket, go down the well of their heart and start plumbing up what's actually in there. And you might just discover they're lonely. What does that mean? It means, yeah, we, we could have a more robust youth group program. It does mean that. You can certainly apply this to that entity. But how's about we individually get involved in a teenager's mess? Now, there might be parents involved and explain, but just even if it's just a church, finding that kid, oh, he's not here today. You better text him because kids don't actually use their phones for calling people. You could be pursuing these kids. They need it. From the article, religion has traditionally supplied this essential support with significant implications for adolescent development and health. 
Evidence suggests religious involvement may have even more profound health effects for adolescents than for adulthood. This was a 2003 review of research on the role of religion in the lives of American adolescents. Among other positive effects, the report found striking and consistent relationships between adolescent religiosity and healthy lifestyle behaviors. Okay, so they're in a community. They don't make as many dopey decisions. They still do, but not as many. They don't get in trouble as much. Guess what? They get better grades. No way. Yeah, way. Why? Because this is the way that God has made the place. And if our kids have no commons, specifically church commons, family commons, they're, they're going to be hurting just the way all of the studies and statistics reveal they already are. I would challenge myself and I would challenge you. How can all of us become youth ministers? What does that look like in your context? How could you be reaching a struggling teenager? This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable Biblical Health Sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio programs, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are 
being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Master's Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Revelation. How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Shout out to you. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps if you listen to the commercials around here, you've heard us encourage you to get gospel booklets to give the kids when they come knock, knock, knocking on your Halloween door. Guess what? A lot of you did. You've been sending in pictures, which I can't show on radio because it's not TV. Well done. So many people, they would make goodie bags. I mean, they would just go over the top and then put a gospel message in it. I did hear from one person who said, oh, it's all the talk on next door. And it ain't good talk. And that could discourage you. I would suggest it should encourage you to know that when you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. We should anticipate and shouldn't be because of the way we're throwing the rock. It's because we're preaching the gospel. We should anticipate some people are going to get stung by it and they're not going to like it. And that happened to this one fellow and his family, but they did it anyway. And they're going to do it again next year. So well done to everybody who went about the business of trying to reach young people with the gospel. I got to tell you, they need it. This was the most fascinating article in IF Studies and really encouraging how much religion is needed for human flourishing. Of course it is, because that's the way that we're made. Now, you might be thinking, well, will any religion do? And the answer is, no, yeah, well, it can help. Because the way that we're made is to serve God. Let's just use secular vernacular to serve a cosmic deity, a higher source of power. Label it whatever you want to. We're made for that. Now, you and I know it's the only true and living God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that. But because people are wired to serve God, to know God, even if they have a false idol, in some senses, it can help them. Now, it may not, but it can. You can see pagans who have a coconut on a bookshelf that they worship, and it kind of makes them feel a little bit better. Why would that be when it's not a true God? It's because that is the way that God has made us. For your consideration, I have studies talking about the importance of well-being for young people. And I would also suggest to you old people, speaking of Halloween, uh, uh, what happened to adulthood? What happened to being a grown-up? 
What happened to modeling something a little bit higher than the station our kids are currently located at? The American Spectator. Popular costumes this year for adults. These are these are people who can vote. Popular costumes include Miley Cyrus's mouse leotard, the Hunger Games Huntress, and long after its sell-by date, variations of the Fifty Shades of Grey theme. <laughs> what? This person writes, which is a long way of saying that by far the most popular costume this year, and indeed for at least 10 years running, is prostitute. Those are the adults. <laughs> to adulthood. It's because we listen to the world. This morning, Frio, we didn't ask for this. Well, I'm just going to tell you this morning. I'm looking in the mirror to determine if I have to shave. Uh, can I can I get away with not scraping those blades across my face today? Do we have any shooting to do? What sort of meetings might I be participating in? And it got me to thinking about when I attempt to grow a beard. And people say the same thing regularly. And I thought, maybe this is a bit of a tell for us. They'll look at my beard, which tends to come out way more gray than the top of my head, and say, it makes you look old. Like, that's a bad thing. Wait a sec. I'm, and here's how I respond. Oh, no. It, it removes my youthful appearance that I had 30 years ago. That's how you say it. I respond to it. Why? Because we are encouraged to downplay the desirability of the wisdom that comes with old age. We think it's a terrible thing. You got all the aches and the pains and you can't do what you used to do and you're set on the sidelines and you're just old-fashioned, traditional, Neanderthalic, dumb. We don't need you, old people. It's youth, daddy-o. We're going through the Netflix. Frio, we had enough of your personal life with the shaving. We're going through the Netflix. And there was a movie up in 2022. With Liam Neeson. And I thought, Liam Neeson, based on the thumbnail, he's still doing those action pictures. And so you know how the, the Netflix or whatever it is that we use at home, it starts to show you a preview? Well, sure enough, Liam Neeson is rescuing somebody. I, I can't remember the plot line. And then uh, right next to it, it has another Liam Neeson movie. Liam Neeson. Neeson. He's Scandinavian. He's supposed to be Lutheran, don't you know? Liam Neeson is playing another vigilante kind of guy, sort of like Taken Part 17. It's kind of become his niche. You know, if it works, sir, and you make money, good on you for it, as long as it's not sinful. But I thought, wait a second. That one was made in 2021, so he makes back-to-back. -back. He's going to be the guy that can knock out 17 young people who apparently always die with a single gunshot, but he doesn't. It's who he's something. I Googled him. He's 70, 70 years old, and yet still trying to play a younger man who can be virile. Where does that come from? It comes from our culture. And we live in a society that eschews being old. Oh, what a pejorative. Oh, you're Oh, you're over the 
hill. We give you black balloons because you turned 40. Not according to the Bible. That gray is a crown of wisdom, or at least it should be. Being old is the time where you're, when you're steady and you're wise, which is precisely why church, in my opinion, should seek, I don't think it's a law, but should seek to be integrated where young and old are together because the young people will give a little pep in the step of an old person who's maybe just a little bit more tired than they used to be, but conversely, they can download wisdom into the heart and mind of a young person who is, well, just beginning their journey toward wisdom. And it's the local church where that could be happening. Let me take you back to the article. At least you're not going to talk about shaving anymore. Christian Smith's extensive research of adolescent religiosity. One, religion provides a set of moral orders that delineate good and bad, acceptable and unacceptable. A form of virtuousness, including self-regulation. Huh. A strong sense of self and compassion for others. Second, religious participation builds competencies, coping skills, knowledge, cultural capital, social status. You learn how to shake a hand firmly, look somebody in the eye when you greet them, which a lot of young people just don't know how to do because they just don't go to church. I remember this from years ago. Not another personal anecdote. Was at the big park playground thing with my son. Must have been eight years old at the time, 10 years old, something like that. Then he found himself into a gaggle of similarly aged young people. And they came over when playtime was done. And I just instinctively went, nice to meet you, young man. And I stick out my hand and he doesn't even look at me. (laughs) And he thinks that, oh, this is what my parents warned about. Stranger danger. Didn't know how to shake a hand. None of them did. So, okay. Maybe my tone could have been better, but come on, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Shake it. Come on, put something into that. You're a, you're a, you're a boy, right? Give me something there. They don't learn that skill. You do learn it at church. Another factor that contributes to happiness involves faith. Like marriage, religiosity is strongly linked to happiness. Although faith in a higher power certainly facilitates happiness, It is the community aspect that seems to be the key ingredient. Isn't that fascinating? Why do we need community? It's theological. It's because God lives in community. Even before he created the universe, he was living in unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, no acrimony, perfect unity, perfect similarity when it came to every, not even similarity, exactly. Because it's three persons, one God living in community. Whereas image bears, how can we not need community? We do. This next generation is hurting. And I think we have two options. Consternation or commitment. Oh, these kids with the way, oh, oh, the way that, the, yeah, you can, you can do that. Oh, this generation, we would have never done that, by the way. The generation before you said the same thing about you and me. Nevertheless, I can get agitated or I can commit to doing something. In the context of the local church, if you happen to be a youth pastor, consider your youth programs. Maybe the kids don't need pizza, whipped cream, and gross-out games. Maybe they need theology, purpose, identity, unity, communion, 
fellowship that can only be found in the local church. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>